Welcome to Queerly Forward, a podcast that explores queering our healing through pleasure, holistic well-being, and collective liberation. We are your hosts, Bex Lips and Morgan Vanderpool, two queer neuro-spicy therapists and community builders co-creating conversational containers for co-liberation. Let's, Let's dive, dive in. in. What does it mean to queer our healing? Endless possibilities. What does it mean to queer our healing? Letting wild nature lead. Come with your questions, come with your magic. Come, 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 come. Welcome back to Queerly Forward. Oh, yay! <laughs> I'm so excited about our conversation today. Da -na 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 -na. <laughs> um, we have a very special guest today, my dear, wonderful friend, Mix Pucks Aplenty, is in the house. Um, this human is Amazing. And today we are going to be talking about burlesque and burlesque as liberation. Um, I just want to share a little bit about um, how Pucks and I know each other. So Pucks and I uh, met six years ago, right? Yeah. Um, Correct. Six years ago. Wild. <laughs> at Miss Indigo Blues Academy of Burlesque, where we went through the Burlesque 101 program together. So they are my burly sibling. Um, and I think we, like, from the moment we met each other, we're just like, oh, this is a this is a special human. This is a special human that I need to know. And if if y'all don't know Mix Pucks Aplenty, get your life together. And <laughs> facts. Yeah. <laughs> they are the they them yes queen of burlesque, the Michelle Obama of burlesque. They are the number 16 most influential burlesque figure in the world. They've been on the burlesque top 50 for two years in a row. They just like been out here changing the motherfucking game in the world of burlesque and i'm so honored to be your friend Alex, i love you and um yeah so there's there's lots more to share um about that but welcome thank you so much for having me it is an an honor and a privilege to be here um yeah uh bex and i met at the at miss indigo blues academy of burlesque and I remember thinking, wow, this person is so loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I come from a family of very loud talkers. So it was initially like really drawn to, to the volume level. I'm like, yes, this feels this feels like home. This feels like family. Um and and I am really lucky to consider you like family. So um yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, 
So the question that we have been asking all of our guests to kind of kick things off is, um, how are you queering your healing? What does queering your healing mean to you? I mean, for me, it's like a, a like a non uh, colonized way of looking about, like thinking about healing. You know, healing is not linear. You don't just check this box, this box, this box, and this box, and then you're done. You graduate and you get your diploma. You're healed. <laughs> um, like that, it's an ongoing ebbing and flowing. And just when you think you finally have figured it all out, life and trauma and everything kind of can throw you another curveball. So um, my healing has definitely been, uh, has involved uh, like some traditional talk therapy. Um, I see an amazing human that does um, like empowerment tarot with some therapeutic mm -hmm. healing, which has been really cool. Mm -hmm. Um I also believe that a lot of the healing that we need to do as people can't, you can only do so much by yourself. And so I think a lot of it actually has to happen within community mm -hmm. and being near people. And we live in a society that works really hard to kind of keep us very um, like individualized and separate from each other. And I think that's because like they know that's the secret sauce to, <laughs> uh, to us not being um, as sick as we are as, as like, as people. Um, someone once asked me, do you think you've ever met like a perfectly well-adjusted, like healthy person? And I'm like, oh no, we're all sick. Like <laughs> we're all sick. We're all dealing with something. Um, you can't live in the society that tells you that you're simultaneously too much and not enough all at the same time. And like be adjusted. Like, I don't understand how that's possible. I don't mm. see how that works. So, um, also I am a big fan of things that are therapeutic, not necessarily replacements for therapy. So, uh, BDSM and kink is a very therapeutic mm. practice, uh, for me. Um, burlesque has been a very therapeutic, uh, artistic practice. Um, also, I just think that I, I'm due to go out in the woods and scream for a while. <laughs> like I need, I need yes. to get that <laughs> on my list I just really want to do like some communal group screaming soon um hell yeah but yeah that's that's been kind of my my approach also psychedelics um yeah I'm not gonna lie bring it uh, yeah my, I was waiting for you to bring that one in <laughs> bring it home bring it home um been micro dosing almost every Wednesday since the pandemic started uh it's like minus minus three or four weeks here and there but yeah, that's been really uh, fascinating uh, for sure. Mm. Every Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Morgan's definitely a big psychedelic nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Hyperponent. That frequency is good. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I noticed that on mushrooms, I tend to cry a whole, 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 whole lot. Like every time, mm, um, but also so deeply, deeply fascinated by the texture of my tears. Like I want to touch them all. I want to collect mm. them. Mm. I want to hold them. I want to share them with other people. I'm like, here, touch this, feel this, mm. um, you know, which is really neat. Like, have you ever sat and just like played with someone's tears? It's weird, it's so um, but also really Whoa. fascinating and kind of and I kind of that. intimate, you know, too. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh 
Molly has actually been my uh, psychedelic of choice, mostly because it uh, it makes it makes you want to touch and be touched by people. And a lot of the trauma that I am trying to work through and heal from is with physical intimacy um, mm. and being um, wanting to be physically intimate with myself in a way that isn't like hurry up and be done, but actually sit and like love the body that I'm in and like. I think that uh, I, I use the expression charity starts at home to describe masturbation, um, <laughs> but it really does, though. And so this idea of being sexually attracted to myself um, oh. and then wanting to be sexually attracted and then wanting to be uh, sexually active with the people in my life um, that I am is really important. So I'm trying to heal um, some of that, that mm. like being like if I'm not sexually attracted to me. I can understand like how good my skin feels and why is it good mm -hmm. to be with me intimately. I don't know how I'm supposed to project that energy um, mm. in a healthy way towards other people. Mm. Yeah. I love that so much. And it also is, you know, like, like loving ourselves like sexually in that way, like makes us better lovers mm -hmm. of ourselves and like mm -hmm. to other people. And also like, I can tell you how to love me if yeah. I know exactly how to love me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then maybe you can fill in the gaps of yeah. the places that I can't because my, my hand literally can't reach that way. <laughs> yeah. Help me out. <laughs> I can't hit myself from way back there. Please help me out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I know I need it. Come with force. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I, I also just, you know, loved, I mean, it's like therapy is wonderful and great and important. As Morgan and I both know, Morgan and I are both therapists. <laughs> Divesting from the cause, but right, actively yeah. participating and trying to do both at totally. the same time. But I think this point of like, there are lots of uh, outlets that are therapeutic, that mm -hmm. are like just much more accessible <laughs> to folks um, and can like play a really like, profound role in our healing and I know for me burlesque has definitely been one of those things especially when we talk about like healing uh our relationship to our sexuality and our bodies um that's been a really profound uh, thing for me so um I yeah I'd love to start talking a little bit about burlesque and thought you know we could start with a little bit of just like what is burlesque? Uh, in case there are any, in case there's anyone listening to this podcast that doesn't know what burlesque is, in which case, welcome. Prepare mm -hmm. <laughs> Um But yeah, do you, have a def do you have a definition that you love for burlesque? Um, I love. I mean, so I feel like when I talk about burlesque, you know, the the first thing that comes up is is you know the striptease, you know, that is like a big part of it. But like one of the things that I love about like the word burlesque is uh, it actually means like, you know, like to parody or to make fun of something, um, uh, to make a mockery of. Um, and I just think that's 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 so uh, interesting and, and apropos in a way. Like I remember, you know, when we were learning about like the the roots and the history of burlesque, like it started in like the like 1800s or something or like maybe even earlier. And like 
is often used in this like you know theatrical kind of way to theatrical kind of way to um, punch up <laughs> at uh, people in power and um, yeah as 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 a really kind of um, you know political kind of statement um, think of it like like a court jester <laughs> kind of kind of way almost um, so I feel like that's one of the things that I really love about burlesque is that it's um, um, and some of its roots is really grounded in like in like satire and like exposing uh, society as it is um, and kind of put, making fun of ourselves. And then it's kind of transformed in many ways over the years um, to be, uh, you know, this um, this art form that has um you know, sexuality at its, at the forefront, um, and a, and a way to, um, highlight, you know, in the early days of burlesque, the, the quote unquote female body, <laughs> um, and, um, and, and push, push buttons and, and, um, yeah, get a little raunchy. I don't know. What, do, what else do you have to add about burlesque what do you what do you what do you think about burlesque what do you think about burlesque, burlesque. <laughs> the, the, the history uh, of burlesque, burlesque. And, and, and what um, does it mean to you i mean when i think about the history of burlesque right we think i think about um kind of like its origins which was like to take these like dramatic um like literary pieces or musical works and the whole point was to like give it like this ludicrous treatment right like it's these this this there's this really serious work and we want to make it fun and we want to laugh and we want to um kind of see the stuff be larger than life we want to kind of give it a um you know we want to we want to give folks that can maybe can't access this art the hoity-toitiness of this art. We want to give them access to it and make fun of the hoity-toitiness of the of the of the art, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I laugh a lot because when I think about like the neo burlesque movement, which you know is kind of what we kind of get getting the tail end of right now, is really was really focused on like it's this revival of what what survived from like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s from like the reels and things like that and so it really is kind of this like bodied strip tease uh the female form female and female impersonation right so you have like mm-hmm. the Marilyn Monroe of burlesque the Rita Hayward of burlesque right mm-hmm. like you have this kind of this um this characterization of like what is it to be feminine and glamorous and then like adding a bunch of rhinestones to it so that when you take <laughs> off the glove and it hits the ground, it sounds like a brick hitting the ground, um, which still gives you that extravagance, that, um, you know, that uh, larger than life kind of, kind of, um, of energy. Um, but like, when we think about like Verless's origins, Nerdless is actually closer to mm. burlesque's origins than like the neo-burlesque movement itself. Um, that's because we're taking 
things from popular culture, you know, like, you know, looking at like anime or like superheroes or whatever. And we're queering up these characters. We're giving them more background story or we're using them to tell the story that we wish these movies would tell. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually it's saying the quiet part out loud (laughs) or subverting it. Right. Um, I think that's why like that uh, show, um, our flag means death is like one of my yes. favorite shows yes. on television um, because it, um, you know, the the queerness uh, was not the subtext; it was the text. We weren't queer baited like yes. we normally are, and so I think that like with nerd less especially, it is sometimes it's a middle finger to the queer baiting that we receive in popular culture, and it's like, nah, man, I make this character really queer because. <laughs> Y'all are dicking us around. Right. <laughs> like we, like, you know. Um, and or, just, to, just uh, to clarify, in case it mm-hmm. wasn't obvious, I like to think of nerd-lesque as the the love child of burlesque cosplay and fan fiction. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, Sexy. yeah. It's like, an, it's a, it's a, it's an orgy gone awry <laughs> in the best, in the best way possible. And, yes. and birth was, was nerd-lesque and it's, it's incredible. Uh, it's incredible, but I feel like it is definitely the clo- more close to um, what you were seeing um, back in the 17th century mm-hmm. than what we were seeing in like 1965, you know. Right. Right. Which is a lot of like, you know, relatively like normative feminine glamour kind of you know, thin, thin, pretty white women with their with their fancy fans and their and their glamour, and then like you know the occasional like raunch. But as we know, that is not the full <laughs> history or story of burlesque. It has never been the full story, um, and it never will be. But it is a part of it. Um, but definitely in like the nineteen twenties, uh, through kind of that decline into like the the into the 60s early 70s right like it was considered a like legitimate theatrical art form mm-hmm. like yeah some folks were getting chased at it at a certain towns and things like that but like um these women were making really good money mm-hmm. they're making really good money yeah. and tra- traveling around the world a lot of them were queer a lot of them were um you know bare minimum bisexual um, but a lot of them were you know but a lot of them I'm were lesbians bare minimum, bare minimum bisexual you know but uh, a lot of, a lot of them were were lesbians you know yeah. and mm-hmm. that is where we got the phrase uh suitcase butch from that was the the butch girlfriend of the of the burlesque performer that carried the suitcase oh, around that knew me. knew how to set up the lights <laughs> and knew how to take care of the costumes and all that suitcase butch I yeah which is just hot and i want butch. a suitcase butch right i love a suitcase um, butch yeah you do <laughs> yeah you do like anytime i have to carry my own bags uh, there is definitely uh this voice inside my head is like, I have to carry my bag like a peasant. Like, no, <laughs> I have boys for that. Like, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. No, I like to carry my own bags. Um, but yeah, so the neo burlesque, though, right? This is this this resurgence that happened in the late 90s, early aughts. And, um, you know, uh, this is where we get uh, 
dirty martini comes out of this, right? Mm. Um, plus size burlesque performer out of uh, New York. And you get the Miss Indigo Blues out of this. You get Tamara the Trapeze Lady, who um, is pretty much like the reason why we have, you know, burlesque all over the city in Seattle. Mm. Um, you know, and so we we get the the Joe Booze Weldons of the world um, mm-hmm. during this time frame. And um, I was struck uh, probably about like about six to nine months into the pandemic that I don't think we're actually in uh, the neo-burlesque era anymore. Yeah, where would you say we are? Or something else. So I've been calling it post-neo-burlesque and that doesn't feel quite right, but that's Mm -hmm. what we're using right now. Um, And I was really struck hard at uh, BurleyCon back in November of uh, 2022. They had a display of uh, BIPOC neo burlesque um pioneers you know mm. so you have a lot of boute <clears throat> a lot of boute was featured in one of these things that they had and i just was being like yeah no 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 we're, we're in something that's beyond that um i've tried to um i've tried to quantify it like what is it and i have a definition i'm working with that i would love to share with you guys because oh. i think it's pretty oh, good sweet no. yeah let's let's uh. hear it like I'm gonna write a paper about it. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. I am okay, really first of all, first of all, I need you to like I need someone to like sponsor your dissertation so that you can become like Dr. Pucks. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. I need to be Dr. Pucks. Yeah. <laughs> I will also happily give you the script of this interview if you want to just use this Thank as a you. like starting point for your paper. Yeah, all right. There it is. So yeah, I just I'm I'm really into it. Um, it's something I, I think about a lot. Um, so I have this little, this little, little blurb and it's like, what is post neo burlesque? It is the next evolution of neo burlesque revival that started in the mid to late nineties where neo burlesque has strong feminist roots. Post neo burlesque is even more, uh, socially conscious. This mm-hmm. movement is acknowledging gender, sexuality, race, class, and privilege through the lenses of radical social change. Mm-hmm. And the collective global trauma that is and was the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Uh, through acknowledging those that came before us and not necessarily embracing their politics, we hold space for the, uh, the art created, but recognize that the landscape has changed and that our past will be carved in a different fashion. post near burlesque does not seek to erase the past, but learn from it as we forge ahead with a more culturally sensitive approach and the reclamation of sexual expression for a population that has been historically uh, been left powerless in their own sexual identity and expression. A them. A them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sermon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is different. It is radically different. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to look any further than the the discourse that happened shortly after um, the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekender, which is like our big like uh, the super like mecca, the Super Bowl, the of, super burlesque, bowl of Burlesque. If you will. <laughs> yeah, it's also like it's also like a Burlesque mecca. You go and you you go and you do the pilgrimage to mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Not lost. It's not lost me that we go to the desert. You know, um, <laughs> go to the desert and. Um, <laughs> and you're uh you're dehydrated so you know you start to see shit um and you're they're, also they're, real fucking thirsty because yes 
the people are really hot. Um, but you go there, right? And there's the legends. So, right, you go there to, you know, to pay homage to the to the, the pillars of burlesque. So it's, it is, it is a, a religious experience, right? Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. Um, but it can also be very polarizing. And um, this year we got a taste of how, really how polarizing things can be when you start poking at the way things have always been done versus mm. we need to make change. Yeah. And um, one of the things that the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekender decided to do is they decided to take gender out of the main competition, which is, has historically been uh, the Queen of Burlesque title or Miss Exotic World. They took gender out of it and it's like, it's now open because we're going to fix, we're going to fix our gender problem. We're going to fix it <laughs> by doing this. And, um, the uh your your winners uh your kind of your uh your our now queen of burlesque is a cishet black man <laughs> named samsonite um, and he he had a choice he could decide whatever his title was going to be and he decided to keep queen um in honor of what the title has always been called that was his choice mm. um our uh, first runner-up our princess of burlesque is a trans woman Beautiful. Moscato Sky. Sky. And our uh, second second runner-up, uh, third place uh, human, is a cis uh, gay man. Faggity and Randy. And people were faggity Randy. And people had a lot of feelings. They sure did. A lot of feelings. And... I think a lot of those feelings are rooted in the neo burlesque revival of the late, late nineties and early aughts and not necessarily in the post neo burlesque landscape that we want to be living in. Mm. Um, and so it's really fascinating uh, to talk to people who've been, you know, doing this burlesque game for a really long time that, you know, weren't loud on the internet being like, I am pissed off about this, but um, who were privately having some um, moments to process. What does this mean for um, women in mm -hmm. burlesque? What does this mean for, um, yeah, what does it mean for women at burlesque? And when you start to really start to peel at that, it's like, are you not recognizing trans women as women? that's something you're going to have to do a deep dive on. So mm -hmm. it's been really fascinating. Um, but again, a lot of those big feelings are coming out of folks that were, that were, that are more rooted in a neo burlesque mindset and not what's not the post. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think like, I mean, burlesque is a place where people, can really find empowerment in their bodies. And I think like we're, we're really used to talking about things in terms of binaries, you know, men and women and, you know, all, you know, all those, all, all those other binaries. And so I think a lot of people that think of burlesque and they think of like, Oh yeah, like sexy ladies doing sexy stuff on the stage. Um, and when we really open this up and to be like, actually burlesque is for everybody it is for every body and that means that we need to get more inclusive it need, means that we need to include our trans queer and trans and gender non-conforming folks and that those bodies are 
beautiful and valid and important for us to lift up because and center. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I would, I also think I would also want to caution folks, especially folks who are involved in burlesque into thinking that queer and trans folks and gender nonconforming folks um, are just like a newer thing to happen in burlesque. We've always been here. Um, We've always been here. May have been going by different names, may have been masking or hiding. um, But there have always been trans women and trans men involved in burlesque. There's mm-hmm. always been queer queer folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we've always been here. Sometimes it's not safe to be out, 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 out. Um, and sometimes it can feel like you've let so much time pass that you can't come out. And mm-hmm. we actually had a burlesque legend come out basically on her deathbed, Marenka. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, she passed away like two years ago and on her deathbed came out as a as a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And just the way that it all kind of came about, it was very tragic in that she she felt like she couldn't. And then when she was starting to think about coming out, she just felt like she was going to let everyone down. Mm. And then and then there's a sense of like letting people down further because she waited so long. Mm. and I'm just like uh what an icky place to to be this this really misplaced guilt um uh misplaced guilt in trying to keep herself protected and safe yeah yeah and I think it's really right it's really unfortunate that queer folks um that trans folks and non-binary folks we have to make these choices every day of Mm -hmm. um are putting our safety mm-hmm. first versus mm-hmm. living our true authentic out loud, out loud selves, depending on where you are at in your city, your state, or, you know, part of your country of where you can truly be yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we're really lucky in, especially in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, like, you know, acceptance of queer and trans folks is definitely, you know, broader than it ever has been. Um, but like in Seattle, like the scene is queer as fuck. <laughs> like it's you're an anomaly if you're <laughs> if you're straight, and well, you know we we love you. You 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 could be down, but like mm. we're we queer here. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's so real. Um, absolutely. I'd love to, um, because all three of us are mm-hmm. burlesque performers, so um. I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, how each of us uh, came to burlesque and 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 started performing, and um, yeah, what brought what brought you to burlesque and and why? You want me to start? Do y'all want to start? Do you want to? Do you want to go, Morgan? Mm, I want to say guests first. Okay, that'd be you, Pucks. Me. If okay. you're ready, but also you've been talking a lot. If you want to like sit back for a yeah, second. let me take a break. Yeah, rest up. It's okay. a little tick tack break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wow, um, this is just such a deep blessing to be sitting in this circle and having this conversation with you both. Um, 
Yeah, I found my love for being on the stage as a performer really young. Um, thankfully, my mom was like, this kid loves to move to music. They need to dance. So got into dance. Like, I don't remember a time in my life that I wasn't dancing um, and going to classes and like getting to like really develop my capacity for my body to move in really cool ways. Um, and that sort of like digested over time after like a break from performing after I'd been doing more modern dance in my 20s. And as I became my radicalization and orientation to anti-colonialist work and collaboratory work manifested, my performance had to change. I could no longer do the like flat stage performance. We, you know, I couldn't like that needed to be an overt message, clearly communicated and like shared for the purpose of community. And that got its first chance to like show up um, at a radical fairy sanctuary in Groundswell. Um, which is in Northern California. It's gorgeous, like amongst the redwoods, amongst some beautiful queers, mostly from the Bay Area, but really all across the like West Coast. Um, I got to be a sadistic clown um, <laughs> and pretend I didn't know what kink was and get taught by my friend. <laughs> um, and it was one of those moments where I got to be like the most hilarious version of myself, the sexiest version of myself, the most accepted version of myself, the most like reverberated in community, held in nature. Like it just kind of like blew open something like mm. I have to do this all the time. I want to be a part of communities that are telling stories with our bodies mm. visibly in ways that wake people up and make mm. them feel some shit. Um, and, you know, it's also kind of paired with like I can light up a motherfucking hall really, really well. And also I am pretty cautious as a person. And so it has like mm. molded over time of really beautiful like invitations from folks in community like you both um, to say, hey, come on, come on, come on stage. <laughs> you got this. Do the thing. Tell the stories. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, gratitude to you both for the spaces you facilitate. So all of that can show up. Yes. Yeah, I love I just love seeing people's like creativity come alive when they're like, oh, I get to I get to create this whole act from from mm -hmm. start to finish and like really like put my put my heart into it. Um, yeah. And the nuances of choreography within burlesque are just so profound and deep and nuanced and clear. Mm -hmm. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I remember the first burlesque show that I ever went to um, is a, a troupe uh, called Stripped Screw. They did this. Uh, they did this uh, Christmas show called the Best Burlesque Pageant Ever, and um, it was amazing. Is like this, you know, troupe of like gorgeous queer tattooed femmes. And um, I was just remember being like, wow, this is awesome. Um, but the, the moment that I remember the most is um, Cutie Labootie um, getting on stage and doing a sing and strip to uh, Mr. Cellophane. And I remember my jaw just being on the fucking floor mm. being like, yo, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is a thing? Mm -hmm. 
And I was just like so enchanted. And I remember like going up to the performers afterwards and being like, I get really like, I get really starstruck even with like low key celebrities, like, or just like people that I perceive to like have some kind of like notoriety or stage presence. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, you're so amazing. And like the, everyone I met was just like so sweet and like, yeah, yeah, you should totally do this. It's super fun. And like everyone, like they were just so nice. And it's funny because when I um, when I when I when I look back, um, I've I've also been a performer for you know my entire life. Uh, uh, did a lot of choir and musical theater and and things like that. And my dad used to take me to uh, to Broadway shows all of the time. And the the second show on Broadway I ever saw um, was. Um, Unfortunately, the name of the show is a slur. Um, it's uh, Gypsy, which is named after one of the um, a very famous burlesque performer named Gypsy Rose Lee, and it's kind of the story of her of her life. Um, that was the second burlesque show I ever saw, starring uh, Bernadette Peters in the like title or, or like the the like main role. And I remember she got a standing ovation at the end of. Mm that performance and I cried and I'm like I'm like eight or ten years old <laughs> like crying and it, and like seeing this musical that's like about burlesque which did not even register to me until I was like way later and being like oh wow <laughs> that's cool <laughs> um yeah so you know I started attending shows and then, you know, found Miss Indigo Blues Academy of Burlesque, which is a real um, has been a real a pillar of the the Seattle burlesque community. And, um, you know, it's this uh, what was it? Was it six weeks? I feel like it was six, like a six week program uh, where you get walked through the entire process of creating a burlesque act from from start to finish. And, you know, thinking about. Um, your costume, your act concept, your name, your performer name, your per- persona. Um, uh, the thing that I think like has drawn me so much to burlesque is that it's really for me about storytelling. Oh yeah, you know, like the most interesting burlesque acts are the ones that like, get up there and tell a story. And the story can be really simple. Like the story could be I'm a hot ass motherfucker if you want it to be, but like. Have some, you know, like give a, you know, like I want to, I want to like have a sense of like, like what's your backstory or like, you know, what, what, what do you want as a performer? Like, what do you want on the stage? And, um, the very first act I ever did, I really leaned into just like the, you know, the like satire and like ridiculousness of burlesque. And, uh, the song was called, let me teach you how to eat. And I created these gigantic food props. I had like a giant, like. I don't know, like three foot hot dog and a sparkly bun that I, you know, did all kinds of things with. Mm. I I tossed a giant salad on the stage and then I like, <laughs> like, like fisted and like face fucked a like giant, like two foot foam red velvet cake. <laughs> While assling. <laughs> And that was my first burlesque performance. And it was fucking delightful. <laughs> and translation, that's when the titty tassels are placed on the butt cheeks and go in circles. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. 
Yep. Yeah. And fa- fairly soon after that, I started weaving in singing to my burlesque performances, which I I really love. I really love doing. But I it, it's so funny. My I don't know if I have shared my burlesque name on the podcast yet, actually. I think we did in what we call ourselves, potentially. No, I think I cut that piece. Oh, maybe this is a reveal. Yeah. <laughs> the reveal. <laughs> well, anyways, my name is Celia Lipschutz. There's a whole nother like tangent around like how I came up with my name that I will that I'll pause on. Um, I really I really love my name. One, because it's punny because I love puns. Uh, like, yeah, I love a punny burlesque name. Um, but it's also um, it's also ancestral for me. Um, you know, my last name is Lips. And so I wanted a name that was going to like pick like your last name is Lips. Like, come on. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Um, so my my family's former last name was Lips Hitch. Um, so Lip Shuts is, you know, pretty close to that. And I actually have my great grandmother's name was Celia as well. <laughs> Just like by coincidence. Um, so Celia Lipschutz was born. Yeah. And I know, Pucks, you have a very, um, yeah, a very, like, deep, deep story around, like, what brought you to burlesque. (laughs) You want to share about that? Yeah. um, So I I have a son. I have a child. My son is just turned 13 in June. And um, right after I had him, I had postpartum depression pretty bad. Um, wasn't sleeping very well. Um, and so one day I'm trying to like breastfeed this baby and my central nervous system is all like out of whack because I have had no sleep and this kid is hungry. So his little central nervous system is all out of whack. And so I'm like, okay, let's turn something on Netflix. I'll calm down. You'll calm down. It'll be fine. And so, um, Turned on Netflix and found this documentary called A Wink and a Smile, The Art of Burlesque. Um, It is directed by uh, Deidre Timmons, who is actually based uh, out of Seattle. And the film uh, was about um, a burlesque school, Miss Indigo Blues Academy of Burlesque. Mm -hmm. And it followed uh, 10 women who... um, we're going through the program and it was really really fascinating and uh this documentary came out in 2008 so like i saw it two years later um and then burlesque just kind of kept weaving itself in and out of my life in in in, in different ways i um i found a burlesque show to go to um the land of the sweets um which is um co-produced by one of the women that was in the film lily verlaine is in the uh she was in that film film. she's in it um and she does this really avant-garde like she's painted all white and she's pouring different color paint on herself i've never seen her do anything else Hmm. like this um yeah um and so i went to go see the land of the sweets and I really enjoyed it, even though there were no bodies on that stage that looked like mine, like not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured burlesque was something that I could enjoy with my eyes, 
but not necessarily be a part of. And so I went to the land of the sweets every every year. Uh, that was like the one burlesque show a year I would treat myself to. Um, and then fast forward a few years, I got involved in the uh, Seattle sex positive scene and started volunteering at the Center for Sex Positive Culture um, and was tasked uh, with coming up with a fundraiser. And so we decided to do a cabaret show um, and folks like, we know some burlesque performers will be great. And I actually met uh, Scandal from Bohemia. Uh, who's a local burlesque performer. I met um, Miss Candy Apples. I met, I think, I'm pretty sure I met Whisper de Corvo uh, at that time, uh, KS Ex Machina. Mm -hmm. um, and I did like a little, little like burlesque style thing for the show, but it wasn't like, I didn't think it was burlesque, but they're like, yeah, it is. And so, um, and they're like, yeah, 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 you gotta, you, you gotta um, try it. You, you'll, you'll probably like it. And so, we did one more cabaret like six months later, and um, that was that was finally the thing that kind of pushed me over the over the lip there. So I did some drop-in classes at the Academy of Burlesque, and then I signed up for Burlesque 101. And um, I think like 48 hours before I was supposed to like show up for um the first session i actually got a concussion mm. and so i emailed oh, yeah. indigo time <laughs> yeah i emailed indigo and i'm just like i don't think i can do it this 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 term you know maybe the next one and she's like come for the first day if it feels like it's too much we'll put you into the second one or the next one but i i i think you want to be here for this one <laughs> like okay and uh, so I showed up and uh, I mean, I, I mean, of course she was right. Cause like this group was probably one of the more like diverse groups that they probably have had in a while. Um, yeah. We had two women over the age of 60 mm -hmm. in our, in our, um, our burlesque one-on-one. Yeah. A lot of queer folks. We had a um, cis gay man mm -hmm. in our, in our, in our midst who intentionally. Bo Briefs, who intentionally <laughs> wanted to take Burlesque 101 and not Boylesque 101. Like, this was a very intentional decision yeah. uh, for him. Um, and, yeah, so it was, like, a really diverse class. And, honestly, um, throughout the process, I struggled. Yeah, I struggled with my, uh, with my own body. I struggled with, um, I, I think one of the worst days was, like, we do this, uh, the mirror exercise where you're making faces in the mirror. And I could not do it. I didn't want to look at look into my own eyes. I'm not really interested in <laughs> wasn't interested in that. That's not where I was at in my my journey to loving myself or my body at the time. Um, and then our recital was a shit show for me personally. Like oh, my, you had a rough night. Yeah, yeah. Like my bra broke. Like it just kind of like the class disintegrated. So we had to stitch me in so I could tear myself out of it. <laughs> And because we do two shows, I had to stitch myself back in <laughs> to tear out of it again. My Pacey's didn't want to care. It was so hot because it's July um, at West Hall in Seattle. And West Hall is always hot. It doesn't matter what time of year. No, it could be an November oven. and it's like sweaty an as all hell. Oven. <laughs> an oven. Um, and so I thought, oh, well, I did the thing and I don't need to worry about doing this thing. 
ever again. It's marked off the bucket list. We're done. And um, that was not the case. I ended up getting, I got asked to apply for a burlesque show called Bechtel Test Burlesque. Um, And it was produced by Jojo Stiletto, um, Sailor St. Clair, Scarlett O'Hardy, and Sophie Maltese. Like, it's a big group. I think Cinderella Rosa was involved in that one, too. Like, mm-hmm. it was a big group of folks. Um, and so I applied, and I got in, and I got to meet the uh, first performer of color that I've ever seen, um, like, do burlesque before, and that was the Shanghai Pearl. The mm-hmm. Shanghai Pearl was one of the only people of color featured in A Wink and a Smile, the film. And so I got to be in a show with with her and uh, definitely had a fangirl moment. <laughs> um, Shanghai Pearl's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so it just kind of took off from there. I, I went from, I'll probably never do this again, to doing <laughs> um, shows like three to four nights a week. You know, yeah, you hustled as soon as we got out of the program. You were like, remember that there was that 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 Roxy doll show that we, it was like a, oh like a Tuesday night and the show would start at like 10 p.m. or something ridiculous. Yes. And all these new performers were like line up around the block to be in this ridiculous show um, just so that we could get some stage time. <laughs> yeah, so you can iron it out. Like I. I mean, I hated I hated going home from that show at like one thirty in the morning, right? Like <laughs> on a Tuesday, right? And like you're not making you're not making any money um, doing that show because they don't pay you. Um, it's all about the stage time, and I do I like I will give that show the props though that like going there every Tuesday for damn near like six months helped. It helped a lot. Um, and one of the things that really helped me with is watching the drag queens go out there and get their money. Mm. Uh, go out there and get their tips. I learned that from them. And the other thing that made like that I learned kind of from that also is like you can have all this choreography in your head, but something can pop up that will throw you off, that'll make you forget or whatever. So sometimes you don't need to be as rigid. Uh, have moments mm-hmm. in your act that allow you to uh, be able to improvise because mm-hmm. um, otherwise you're going to leave the show with your base pay and three dollars but someone else is going to leave that show with the base pay and like 75 because they went out there to go get their money mm-hmm. so yeah um and then uh still and i ended up uh co-producing together uh with someone from our uh burlesque 101 we did. We, we started produce- a little troop. <laughs> yeah, booty, booty, booty magic for <laughs> Yeah, booty magic was great. Um, we ended up producing three shows mm-hmm. together: uh, Total Burlesque Live, which I think is still like one of my favorite shows. Um, and then we did a show called Booty Tuesday because it was on Tuesday, and <laughs> every act involved butts, yeah. um, which was fun. And then. We we did the show that honestly is probably the longest running thing um, I've been a part of in burlesque, and that is Insecurities. Mm. Uh, insecurities uh, was was not supposed to be our third show. We were supposed to do like a, a classic burlesque show first. What? But yeah, that. yeah, we were supposed to do a classic burlesque show first. But then it was like oh, mm, maybe funny. we should do this one. We should do this one instead. <laughs> and I I'm glad that we did. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that we did because uh, 
I will say um, to date, though, probably one of the hardest shows um, to go through the casting call of. Oh, God. Because people yeah. poured their hearts out in these acts and these act descriptions and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And you can only take so many. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. writing this, writing the rejection, the email saying, oh, no, we cannot tough. take this act. Yeah. That it's like, tough. thank you for pouring your heart out. We see you. It's a no for us, dog. It is rough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like that's not how we yeah. wrote those emails, but yeah. that's how it can. I don't think it matters what you write. Nah, you no, know, at all. Rough. Um, yeah, totally. You know, when someone shares something that's um, a heart, like a heart thing, right? Like, yeah. if the answer isn't yes, we 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 want your heart. I don't mm-hmm. know what you can actually write that won't make that hurt. Yeah, yeah. I I loved this show t- so much, and um, I, I you know I remember when we started talking about the the concept for it too because. You know, one of the things that this that insecurities, um, you know, was about for me um, is acknowledging that like burlesque is a really vulnerable art form. Like we are putting our bodies on stage to be seen and, um, you know, uh, hopefully appreciated by our audiences. And um, but that is that takes courage. And um you know, a lot of the, you know, acts that, you know, we see or when people think of burlesque, they think like sexy, confident, like meow, <laughs> like glamour, all of this stuff. Um, and so we were having these conversations about like, this is such a vulnerable thing. Like, what if we like brought the emotional vulnerability to the like physical vulnerability of like putting our bodies out there? Um, on the stage and so wanting to create an opportunity for us to create um, acts where we really bear our souls as artists and um, you know take off some of these masks and take off some of these these layers and let our true selves be seen so Mm -hmm. um, that that first show was so it and it was so varied too like we had like we had like a you know an act about like about body hair that was like kind of comedic and, you know, someone, you know, like pretending to like shave their legs on stage and like something like that. And like I created an act that was like a love letter to my journey with depression. Um, Pucks, you know, like you created an act. Yeah. That act was about my, um, so I have, um, borderline personality disorder i have bpd um and the 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 act is about the vilification of of that right mm-hmm. um and like i'm dressed in a wedding dress and it's to pinks please don't leave me um which is a that song is a gut punch um mm-hmm. and uh, i have not performed that act since um and honestly that act i I believe showed the first really big crack in like the, the, of my marriage that ended up falling completely apart. He hated that act with everything inside of him. Mm. He felt like it was uh, like I was making fun of him Mm. for being with me. Um, That, that I, I knew that I was, um, that I knew something was wrong with me, but I was refusing to do anything about it. So he thought it was more like me, um, 
ridiculing him in front of uh, in front of an audience as opposed to mm. um what i thought it was which was uh um the acknowledgement of like the pain of watching someone that you love um lose themselves that's what i thought i was doing but no um yeah 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 that show had some really deep stuff i know that um Oh, Taryn Luce. Great. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Taryn Luce's act is. Oh God, I love Taryn Luce. This act. She was uh, Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah. Yeah. But like, Mrs. Potato Head, that makes you cry. <laughs> yeah, I cannot watch that act without crying. Um, it's uh, to some that we are more than the sum of our parts. Mm. Um, and. Uh, She's tr- the 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 piece is actually magnetically clasped on, so she can remove the smile and put on like a frowny face and all of that. It's, oh, Taryn Luce is a uh, an amazing costumer and performer, mm-hmm. and uh, this piece is this piece that she she does is uh, incredible. Um, and Taryn is very open and honest about a lot of the struggles that she has gone through, and one of them is um, one of her children is an addict. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so that's a lot of like, a lot of her pain comes from, um, that she can't refer to her child as her child. The, the child is her addict. That is her addict. And it's, um, really a really moving piece to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've done three now, right? We've done three. We've done three. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and we're hopefully we'll be bringing it back in 2024. Yeah, it feels um, like we take a two-year break. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty well. it's, a, it's a heavy lift. It's an intense show, mm-hmm. um, really yeah. powerful. And Morgan was in our last show that we did. And yeah, I'm curious if you want to share anything about your experience of performing in that show. Oh, my gosh. Um, so... When Bex was very kind to be like, yo, hey, here's the application. Check out Insecurities. I think this is your vibe. Like you love deep vulnerability and uh, check mm-hmm. it out. Um, and I created a piece to like kind of like commemorate my divestment from white supremacist mental health. And I got to put together this like at first I was really trying to make it this like very sorrowful, like what it felt like inside, like having to like dredge the weights off of my body and like the assumptions that had been embedded in like the way that I thought through things to be like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And I was like, well, no, let's like throw some joy in it. So I did it to a song called Let It All Go. And it's like this big band jazzy, like, yeah, soulful as fuck. It's good. And came out and I'm so grateful they smoked the stage. So I like come out and like lit up smoke with like the very gothic strange construction of your master's robes. I don't know if y'all have ever seen a hooding of somebody that gets their master's, but it literally looks like a fucking KKK like <laughs> hood. You can't see the fucking face. Yikes. And so I come out in that with a ball gag on. Underneath, I'm like dressed up as like kind of like a stuffy professor kind of vibe. And I take the whole act to literally derobe myself from the assumptions of white academia and as that manifests within the DSM or the Diagnostic T- Statistical Manual. And I took my sweet ass time ripping up the DSM in the sexiest way possible, <laughs> removing the ball gag, taking off like, you know, all the different layers that make me look like a proverbial <laughs> therapist. And 
granted, I'd planted seeds in my community of therapists to come, but I didn't think that I would hear that much noise <laughs> ever. It was like the loudest reverb of like just like pure existential, just like celebration of like, fuck, yes, let's do this every single day. Like, let's rip up the things that keep us in confines of diagnoses that are just saying that we are like experiencing the world as like natural nervous systems that have responses to violent systems. Mm -hmm. And like, ah! <laughs> I would love to do that act as often as possible. Hell yeah. Um, but it was very marked for me to be like, OK, you're going to get up on this stage and make this proclamation. You better really deeply weave that practice in everything you're doing so it's been this like demarcation in the dissolution of my attachment to white mental health and really really deeply investing in collective care and mm. seeing what happens so yeah I don't think I would have like gotten that kind of firework spark under my ass to be as purposeful about this work had that I would hope so but like yeah. getting to do that performance as an externalization of the stuff that I'd been like chewing on and gnawing on for like yeah. so many years. It was delightful. Mm. It was so good. Yeah, it was so good. I think that's like, I mean, that's such the epitome of like burlesque as liberation. You were like literally liberating yourself like from the like, like the confines of like these systems and like liberating yourself from your clothes. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious to like, to like, dive in a little more about like the connection between burlesque and liberation. Cause I think there's like, I mean, there's a really like obvious metaphor there. <laughs> um, but there's also just something. Yeah. Really, man, there is something just so fucking deeply liberating about getting on a stage and taking your fucking clothes off for people and having people flip their shit. Yeah. And adore yeah and give praise yeah and to be seen for exactly who you are yeah mm -hmm. yeah i don't know do you have thoughts about this pucks i mean it was through burlesque that i was able to come out as non-binary mm. so i found liberation that way it was through the hyper feminine world of burlesque that i'm like oh <laughs> i'm non-binary <laughs> Um, and be able to like find that courage and that strength to walk, um, walk in alignment with my truth. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's there. Um, also like it's been liberating to do burlesque because I've been able to like do things that I didn't think were going to be that were possible. Right. Like. Um, I produce two burlesque festivals now. I run a um, arts nonprofit that I created called Puckduction. And like, I don't have a college degree. My husband literally like packed all his shit and left me while I was at my first burlesque festival back in 2018. And he, he was the, the money person. He had the money. He had the good tech job. Mm -hmm. I was, you know trying to get this tiny, my tiny little art nonprofit off the ground and doing burlesque gigs and he bounced. Um, mm. So I get to be liberated from the things that on paper make me a statistic. Uh, you know, three times divorced, single parent of one kid, no college degree, no family of origin to support me. There's, there's um, none of that like 
there's no generational wealth. There's no, there's none of that uh, behind me. It's um, what I have behind me are like, are like my ancestors that did the most with the very least who were pushing me forward. Like that's what I have. Um, And like, even though I know that they're there, it can still feel very lonely because I think that that's also them. They were very lonely in that, in that journey. Um, So it's still doing that work to make sure that we feel connected, um, that we're not actually alone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, yeah, there is, uh, there, I, you know, I, I've been liberated from a normal nine to five job. Mm -hmm. You know, I work for myself. I do, I do the work that I want to do. Um, I am still a workaholic, though. I work a lot. You are uh, it's a never, workaholic. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's go, go, go um, all the time. But like, I can tell you that um, a lot of that is tied up with like, you know, self-worth and value equals, you know, your productivity bullshit, which is very ableist and, and gross and something I'm working on. But also the other piece of that is that I am my I am my own boss. I am I am the force that drives, you know, at least what what we're doing here forward. So um there is a lot of a lot resting on my shoulders to to produce and provide. Cause even with what I'm producing and what I'm able to provide, it's not um you know, like I don't own my own home. I don't, I don't know who can own their own home in this economy, but like I don't own my own home. There's not a financial, uh, sec- there's no financial security right now. Like if I stop working completely, the, the whole kind of, the whole uh, house of cards kind of fall, falls apart. So it's like trying to get smarter about some of the moves that we're making. So that is not something that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely puts me in a really scary place of like, um air quotes legitimizing my business in practices that feel very um just very colonial and very um you know hierarchical hierarchical which i don't like um at all um i hate having contracts i have them because, you know, I've never, when something has gone wrong, I've always been really happy that there's a contract, but, it, <laughs> you know, but like, it's, um, there are a lot of things that have made my work harder, but that's because, you know, I'm striving to not be the man, uh, striving to not be, um, I don't, I don't want to be that guy ever. That's like, you know, scolding someone for not showing up air quotes with their full self when I don't show up with my full self Mm. a lot uh because we just live in a society where that's really difficult I the only time I'm able to really show up as like with my full self is with family and and chosen and and chosen family and and friends Mm -hmm. it's been really hard to show up as my full self even in my own work Mm. um even in um, just kind of some day-to-day stuff. It's been difficult because it's everything's very heavy uh, out in the world. Um, but yeah, burlesque has, 
liberated me from a lot of like dysfunctional thinking for sure. Um, it's liberated uh, me from the hate uh, of my body. Mm. Um, um, and it's also given me um, a voice to say, nah, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. And uh, I'm not going to say that. And if you don't like it, go create something better. Absolutely. Which you Being have been doing <laughs> over and over and over and over again. I mean, honestly, that is the 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 uh, the trademark of me is it's acts of oppressed pettiness. Um, you know, someone tells me I it, you can't do it. It's never been done that way or we've always done it this way. In my mind, I hear do it. No. <laughs> no. Try me. You know, and you go do something, and I'm going to go do something else. I am not here to rub it in people's faces. Um, you know, I don't really want seats at other people's tables. I've been making my own table. Fuck it. I am the table. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and I want to see everyone eat. That doesn't necessarily mean that they get to eat at my table. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, it's really hard when we're in community to say that sometimes where you're like community, 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 but not you hoes. <laughs> Y'all got to go over there and make your own table. Cause you know, you can't like, it does not work for you to be here. Um, Cause not everyone's on that. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Not a lot of queers are on that liberation journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of them are not on that journey with us, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and we'll use and kind of but we'll still use their marginalization as as like for oppression Olympics. And I, yeah. I cannot hold space for that. Mm-hmm. And well, like, get yeah. on, get on this, get on this, get on this path with us or fuck off. We don't have time for this. Totally. Well, I think it's important to name too that like when we're talking about like liberation in burlesque, you know, like personal liberation, wonderful. Collective liberation. Mwah, chef's kiss you yes. know like that's yeah. that's like what we're what we're working for so like you know and and it, individuals becoming liberated is a part of that but it's also a part of this larger movement and you mm-hmm. know like we're talking about the what did you call it post neo post neo burlesque movement is about yeah is about that collective uh collective liberation yeah. and like you're not you're not free to do absolutely whatever the fuck you want. Like you can't just like, you know, get up on the stage and like culturally appropriate some shit without like someone saying something to you now, you know, because we're yeah. not we're not exotifying cultures like that anymore. Like we're not dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're thinking in these streams that are bigger than ourselves. Um, we're we're thinking about like whole communities and, you know, how to like uplift the people that need to be uplifted you know yeah some stories aren't for you to tell because they're not your stories they're not Mm -hmm. even your ancestor stories they do not belong to you and i will tell you this if you start fucking around with shit that's not yours it'll come back and get you Mm -hmm. it'll come back and get you um it's like no know who know who you're culturally who you're who your deities are, who your gods and goddesses are, know that. Know what that spirituality is because 
you start fucking with shit that you should not be fucking with, it will get you. Be yeah. careful. Um, but yeah, collective liberation is is where it's at. And yeah. I, and sometimes you have to draw boundaries with people, you know, because mm-hmm. I love I love, you know, I love what Prentice Hemphill says is like boundaries is the distance that I can love you and me simultaneously or like something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, liberation for everyone is not just a free for all because my actions need to feel loving to me and to you. And if they don't serve that, like multiplicity function, because my relationships have impact in community. Mm hmm. What Absolutely. I put out matters. It's a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And I need to take, you know, responsibility for who I am in this body and lineage I carry. And if we all take loving, caring responsibility for each other's lineages, we're going to get some good movement happening. Yeah. But show respect. Yeah. Because boundaries aren't, bound, the boundaries that we make for ourselves are for ourselves. They're not to put on other people. Right. Right. And I think it's been really fascinating to be to read people's responses to this Jonah Hill thing that's going on. Oh boy, I know we don't have time to dive into that. No, yeah. don't, don't, yeah. don't take us down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think the 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 thing that's come out of it that I feel is the most interesting and slightly alarming is that uh, people don't know what boundaries are. Yeah. And it's like, well, clearly, clearly I've known that, but like seeing it so stark and and, and loudly is that I think that um, burlesque has given me the ability to set boundaries for myself, um, especially surrounding like my body and my time and energy. Yeah. And a lot of that has come from uh, being around people who are really, really good at it and who are willing to show you how they're good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to give some love to Champagne Splits. Yeah. Who is also in our Burlesque Early 101. Sub. Yeah. Um, who. Uh, the saddest show, girl. Oh, my God. She's so good. But she also does amazing tarot card readings, y'all. Like, really, really good. And I did a reading with her. And she was just like, not all opportunities are for you. Mm. I don't know. Something about that, that boundary of like. Mm-hmm. You can say no. Mm-hmm. You can say no to opportunities um, and just learning which opportunities are for you uh, and not for you uh, was really powerful mm-hmm. and and liberating. And I got to learn that through community with someone that uh, I enjoy being around who was willing to give that knowledge for free. So, you know, yeah. that's nice. Mm. Well, Oh my goodness. I honestly just want to continue this conversation for like a whole nother hour. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> um, but I want to take us to, you know, maybe kind of wrapping with this question of um, what do you think the impact of burlesque is on? The, what do you see the impact on community right now? Um, and like, how do we see that um, evolving into the future? And I want to just name that, like, like, firstly, the impact that you have had on the burlesque community in the past six years has been astro-fucking-nomical. Like, you just, like, came out of the woodwork and you were like, I don't know, I, I might never do this thing again. And then... 
like you 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 flipped this community upside down in the best fucking way possible like mm-hmm. creating spaces for like marginalized bodies and souls to fucking shine giving people permission to be their whole ass selves and like you know really like showing what like diversity and empowerment and community means and I know you talk a lot about like the difference between like the burlesque community and the burlesque industry and the burlesque scene um and um I, I like community is something I think that's so deeply important to all three of us mm-hmm. and you know I just want to name that like the community spaces that you have brought into this world are I mean, it, transformative is like a like a paltry word for <laughs> the spaces that 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 you have created and continue to create, and um, for us to actually be able to like support one another in this process of 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 learning and empowerment and liberation. Um, I'm like really stoked to see how the community continues to grow over the over the years and I mean like I like we could I can't like I, I couldn't even if I had like the resume of all of the 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 shows and things that like you have done pucks like we would just be here all day <laughs> um, but even just like the like the big ticket ones and I think the one that's like super sweet um right now is the is the show them burlesque program um because like that's such an important part of like bringing new people into this world and like like i've i've had an opportunity to like through like burlesque shows that i've hosted for my birthday like like guide some of my friends through the process of uh you know creating a burlesque act and you know Morgan you you're one of those people and mm-hmm. um I know like for me it just like like w- the power of like watching people come to life through like this this process of self-discovery through like putting themselves on on stage and like creating something is so magical and just like the more it grows the more magical like the community becomes and I'm I I think people are hungry for it right now you know we're they're really hungry for um this kind of like full like acceptance of like our our, our, our sexy badass power. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love seeing the way that things are unfolding in community right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I guess I don't see myself the way that other people see myself. You know, and I think that's like <laughs> that's definitely like trauma talking um for sure um well that's why we need each other right so that we can hold up the mirror and be like no you're actually this like you can't see it but i but i watch, see watch this. yourself it's divine. yeah <laughs> um i have definitely been toying around with uh what it would look like to walk away 
a lot mm. recently um, has been a um, it has been really fulfilling work. Um, uh, and like it's 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 beautiful to show up for community. It's beautiful when community shows up for you. It's rough out there uh, yeah. with like arts arts funding is really difficult right now. Mm-hmm. Um, venues are you know, venues are part of our community and we're losing, you know, we're losing venues. Um, People's money is real funny. So people are, you know, waiting until the very last minute to buy tickets. And so shows are being canceled because trying to work with a venue and your performers and your ticket sales to figure out how much, how many people do we need on staff in order to run this event? Da, 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 da. And so they're just like, nope, forget it. We're canceling the show. Um, so there's been a lot, like a lot of cancelizations of shows, um, mm. or like shows where like 10 people show up, you know, things yeah. like that. So it's been really difficult and like that kind of, uh, the, the pain of losing, uh, losing community spaces, the pain that like my fellow producers are going through, like financially to like make stuff work. Mm-hmm. It's so heavy. Cause I can't, I can't fix it mm-hmm. um i've tried a little bit like we have the uh pnw burlesque calendar uh was a, a group of us producers came together to uh pull fun pull some money together so that we could uh get ads in like the seattle times and the stranger and things like that uh to kind of direct people to a centralized location to find burlesque shows um but it's trying to teach our audiences to go there and look has been mm-hmm. really challenging. Um, and so the landscape is very, very different than it was uh, 2019. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, production has uh, a lot more money than we did in 20, 2019 doing things. And that old adage of more money, more problems is actually true, you know, Um <laughs> Because you're trying to, you're trying to keep that momentum going, and it's. I think at this point, I need a little bit more support and love from the community. Um, but it's really hard to ask for that, like financially. When, um, I need people to show up. Yeah. That's like that's really the big thing, and I know it's hard. Um, but like, there's like also folks who have access to skills that I don't have, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Right. So it's like, I'm really big into skill sharing. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of what needs to happen needs to happen with like collaboration and coming together and pooling resources. And I think there's just a lot of, um, a lot of fear surrounding that with people where they're just like, that's a risk. And I don't think I can take it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm like, I, I see that. I'm like, the other option is though, is that you don't take any risks and you're still exactly where you're at, which yep. is not good. Um, you know, uh, and then we, we do have some folks, you know, in community that truly believe that burlesque was on pause this whole time. <laughs> This whole time that nothing was happening and now that they are ready to return, like now burlesque is happening again. And I'm just like, that's 
not okay. <laughs> There's been a lot of marginalized people um, yeah. holding down the fort and stoking the fires from the moment that the shelter-in-place decree came down in 20, 2020 to where we're at right now. Um, there's this expression, just because you got out of the river doesn't mean the river stopped flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and the river is the community. The community keeps flowing. Even if it's like, it feels like there's a little bit of a drought, we're still going. Um, I think the impact of burlesque, um, I think that if we can really pull together um, this idea of like collective liberation, we'll pack such a stronger punch. Mm-hmm. Burlesque has always been at the forefront of really interesting political discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Roe versus Wade hit, it was burlesque performers who were out here like producing shows, raising money for Planned Parenthood, raising money for Northwest abortion funds, like all these different things. We've always been at the cusp of these, these movements and helping push, push these movements forward. I think that um, if we can keep that going, um, I think if people can become more intentional about um, about about their beliefs and mm-hmm. uh, and what like what they genuinely like actually want to see happen with our world in terms of it changing, mm-hmm. I think that um, I think I think burlesque uh, can be impactful, mm-hmm. but I think that as long as there are folks in burlesque that have power or have the money um, that are willing to um, look past diversity, equity, inclusion, Mm -hmm. to look past representation, um, to look past their own ableism, their own internalized fat phobia, they're looking past all those things um, that will become stagnant and stale and no one will want to touch it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing this for six years and I'm very tired. Yeah. It's a very exhausting fight. Totally. It is a fight. Well, I think fight. that's, I think that's, there's some, there's something that's coming to mind that feels really like important to name. And like, it's really, I think, easy to like glamorize, like, yeah, even the way I've been yeah. talking about it, like burlesque is liberation and it's like just such this empowering, like amazing, awesome thing. And like, but the behind the scenes of it is not always glamorous. Like in terms of just like what it takes to like Mm -hmm. put on a friggin' show to like, yeah, like the nitty gritty of like, you know, losing venues, people not showing up to shows like, um, and then also just want to name, especially for like, you know, people like, like you pucks. And, and, and I think I, I, I even do this as well, you know, just like, as much as I, I I hate this on the flip side of just like kind of putting people on pedestals and be like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Like you can do anything. And like, you are also human. <laughs> you are so very human. I mean, that's something that I've always loved about you because you've never shied away from that, you know, since day one. You've always been like, yeah, I'm fucking vulnerable as fuck, y'all. Here I am. This is me. <laughs> like, and yeah. I, but, uh, but I think that is like part of what like draws 
people to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's part of like, you know, what's been so deep about like that insecurities show is that like it's not all like glitz and glamour and like sparkly titties. It's mm-hmm. glitz and glamour and sparkly titties and tears and blood and sweat and like grime and and struggle. And and that's, I think, a part of liberation, too, that like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't always talk about um, that it is that it is a struggle and it's and it's worth it. And like, we're going to be out here, like, you know, putting on these little titty shows, like whether or not people show up, but like, like, but we need people to show up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, as if we're thinking about the technologies that are necessary right now for collective liberation, there's a lot of like uploading of understanding that needs to happen in people's bodies. And one of the thing I absolutely love about being in a burlesque space is the education that happens from the stage to the audience and the mm-hmm. audience to the stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's creating culture. It is creating an absolutely incredible access point for being able to like notice what stories our bodies are telling in relationship with each other. Yeah. And particularly spaces like Sugar Shack, that Miss Brick House hope, uh, hosts every month, the way that like What the Funk is a three-day immersion in Black Joy excellence melanated gorgiosity like (laughs) bringing yourself into that space you get hit back with the power of survivorship in a way that you'll never get from any fucking workshop Mm. from any book you're gonna read Mm. so if we're talking about access points for collective liberation what you can do in a theater with what happens on stage the stories that are told through the like the the power of survivorship in our bodies is radical and by and bypasses so many of the defenses that people have because they're like oh my god i'm turned the fuck on i now have to ask myself you know a lot of times when you mc pucks you say something about like if you've arrived here not thinking you're queer you're gonna probably leave a little (laughs) queer you know it happens but part of that is also being in the room with other people that are experiencing that collectively at the same time hell yeah Mm -hmm. so all of that energy too um, so it's, I mean, it is a, I do burlesque for a lot of reasons, but two of them is because they feed two specific kinks of mine. I'm an exhibitionist <laughs> and I love power exchange. Mm-hmm. And those, those, those itches get scratched real, real good oh, doing yeah. that. It's very impactful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that it also reminds me too. I mean, about just like the importance of that relationship and power exchange between performer and audience. Like mm-hmm. performers need audience, and I think it's more important in burlesque, arguably, than in, than almost any other art form. Like because it is such a a conversation with the audience, um, and yeah, we like we need their active participation and support like we need those dollars being thrown on the floor we need people screaming you know when when the titties come out like we need yeah. we 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 like someone's got to be in the front row for me to eye fuck you know or else you know no one else is gonna have yes. a good night like. <laughs> um and also just like the way that you know we create that like that culture of consent too around being really explicit around what it means to, to share space. Um, like 
and being like like fun and coy with like the way that we um you know lay down certain rules and the way that we make like consent both sexy and mandatory mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and like who like you know if you're on the mic or miss brickhouse is on the mic or i'm on the mic it's just like i'm in control here and you like it that way yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. love me some brick house mm-hmm. um well um yeah, we'll start to wrap up. Um, I'm wondering to close out. Um, is there a a what's in as short as possible? What's what's inspiring us in burlesque right now? Like a like a performer or an act or just like one little thing? Like what's inspiring you right now? Baggity Randy is inspiring me so much. <laughs> I love Baggity Randy. Um, he is such a joyful performer to watch on stage. He's so funny <laughs> and uh, embraces his identity and what what you think the joke is versus what the joke truly is. Um, I've told Randy this a couple of times, but he he's making some of the best burlesque I've seen. And mm. like, it's the time and energy and effort he puts into like, you know, learning a beautiful fan dance or whatever, but like there's just this joy that comes from the silly. Um, And when things are so serious, everything's so serious all the time. um, Watching someone who is literally having the best time of their lives, (laughs) who has something up their sleeve um, is, uh, is wild. So or up their ass. Literally up their ass. Um, <laughs> but Is this the yeah, that did just the crayon performance, the little blue crayon. No, oh, that's no, Bo Brees. Oh, okay. Bo Brees did the crayon, yeah, okay. which is just also just really joyful, right? Like, um, there are moments where I think that like this is this is it for me in terms of me enjoying seeing burlesque. Where I'm like, ah, I don't know, um, but like, Faggy Randy is consistently like, wow. Another is a brand new performer named Miss Kitchy Cupid. Yes. Uh, I, I watch these watch her perform as a new performer, and I'm just like, whoa. Like, the fire will never go out, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone there fanning the flames and carrying the torch. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I'm just, like, really inspired by the new new that is Miss Kitchy Cupid and and what they're doing and just this radical gay joy that is Faggity Randy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Radical gay joy. Inspiring some of that. as fuck. Inspiring mm-hmm. as fuck. Yeah. What's inspiring you right now? Um... I think I got two as well. And one of them is you pucks um, very authentically from the admiration and inspiration that I get to download from you in the way that you create 
not just like the nuance of when you decide to lift your eyebrow on stage to the way that you cultivate community. Um, from that like minutia to that macro, every single layer of it, like I have been learning from the sidelines and just really, really fucking appreciate the like integrity that you bring to the way you do business, to the way that you center BIPOC ancestry and power, like to the way that you bust open enough space for folks to be like just in their radical authenticity um, with every single thing that you do, no matter what the style is. Um, so you inspire me. Um, oh, thank you. Very much so. And in my like growing in my boylesque and king journey, like definitely like King Leo Main, my heart yes. is yours. Yes. <laughs> my heart is yours. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so good. Oh, and Tequeek's choreography. So <laughs> divine. <laughs> Oh, I can like, but I don't sit still very well unless I'm absolutely <laughs> mesmerized by something. And like, I am immobile when Tequitz is dancing. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Really good. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what's inspiring me right now too, is I was definitely thinking of, of King Leo Maine for sure. Showing. Just, just, uh, just, just got some, some ordered some fresh King Leo Maine merch. <laughs> um, and yeah, so and and also want a like, big shout out to uh, uh, Sherwood Ryder and King uh, Gabriel Games, uh, who are producing uh, the Emerald City Kings Ball. Uh, I'm I'm super stoked with what they're doing. And actually, something that I didn't mention around my the origins of my burlesque story is actually my very first burlesque performance was in a drag king boy band. <laughs> called Infinite Directions. I love you. <laughs> the and my name at the time was Perry Dime Shift. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm really inspired by oh, yes. by the uplifting of um of what well, drag kings and but but drag lesque for sure. Like the the fusion of the drag and burlesque worlds. Um and I'm really excited to you know, go back to those roots. I've got a couple of drag, uh, drag lesque performances coming up uh, in the next couple of months. And uh, what I am loving about those is a lot of my burlesque performances over the past couple of years have been very like sex sexy, high femme, you know, kind of things. And um, I'm working on some stuff that's fucking stupid. <laughs> And I love that stupid, like that stupid, brilliant shit. I want more stupid, brilliant shit in burlesque. Um, that's yeah. That just like makes, makes me laugh very hard. So, um, there's so much, so much magic happening. Thank you a million, a million, a million, million times over for, for being with us today. This was a really fun conversation and definitely our longest one yet. But I was just like, I'm not stopping this conversation because <laughs> it's fire. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And uh, for folks who are listening, definitely check out um, What the Funk and All People of Color Burlesque Festival, um, Fat Let's Fest Northwest and that con uh both of those are coming in january of 2024 so yeah we'll link all of that in the show notes yeah 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 all right much love my dears Bye. thank you thank you thank you what does it mean to queer our heat
heading wild majorly. Come with your questions, come with your magic. Come, 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 come. Thanks for listening to Queerly Forward. This podcast has been recorded and produced in collaboration with On Purpose Recordings. If you have questions, requests for topics, or feedback about the show, reach for us via email at queerlyforwardpod at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at queerlyforward. Take Take care care out there, queers. queers.